and welcome. This is the Michael Mamas Show. I'm your host, Michael Mamas, and I'm here today with Scott Davalos. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Scott. Um, I think I'd like to start just by talking a little bit about, just very briefly about these podcasts. You know, this is the first of just a small handful of podcasts we're doing. So we'd appreciate it if we could get feedback. Uh, we're trying to evolve the show and it takes time to develop just exactly how to approach these things. If you want to give feedback, you can go to Michael Mamas. That's uh, Michael, then Mamas, M-A-M-A-S dot net. And then you'll see uh, the list of all the different blogs I write and the one that says podcasts. If you click it, then you can just go into comments. And we'd appreciate it if you would do that. Help us out here a little bit. Uh, you know, there's something I'd like to start with, which might seem a little abstract at first, but it really does apply not only to the coronavirus situation, uh, and but really everything else in life. And uh, it, it it's really about you know who and what we are as human beings, you know, and how we how we function. Uh, and in a very Darwinian sense, we can learn a lot, I think, about ourselves by looking at the evolution of species and how other species behave and why, you know. Uh, and one example would be to take a look at uh, a deer in the woods. And, uh, you know, the woods are beautiful. There are flowers and all the greenery and everything. But when a deer walks through the woods, it's not really so much appreciating all that as it is in being fearful, really, of uh, what might lie around the next corner. You know, is there a, a hunter going to get them or a tiger or who knows what? And that became a survival mentality. It's just the way species tend to function. The things that are good and supportive and nice uh, take second place really uh, in their attention, where they put their attention as opposed to, you know, negativity, fear and negativity. Uh, so life becomes this battle really uh, between black and white, you know, good and evil, uh, right and left. Uh, and we've carried that, it seems. It seems we've carried that mentality uh, into the human species. That's, you know, how we function. Uh, we're more worried about the bad things that could happen or we're more negative about things in the news or situations than we are um, appreciating the good, which is interesting because really what we all want is the good. You know, we want a good life. We want to be happy, all like that. And it kind of brings us to a, if we take a step back and look at how we function, I think it can bring us to a new relationship, even with all the things in the news uh, including these unprecedented times uh, uh, with respect to the coronavirus, you know. Um, 
at Mount Soma, we're taking the coronavirus very seriously. We're closing the dining hall. We're not accepting any uh, uh, lodging guests. Uh, and we'll just weather the storm and see what happens. And I think that's wise. It only makes sense. You know, safety first. Uh, but then if we take a step back and we look at how we're, we could even say painting uh, every situation, including the coronavirus, with this sort of dear mentality, uh, it creates sort of a, a almost a panic mode, it seems. And so there's, we, we, we tend to, I think, uh, lack balance and we just get kind of freaked out and everything. And it's an interesting phenomenon because, you know, I remember I lived in Montana for a while and there's herds of deer that would run the, across my property and they, they went like a wave. It was like a wave of deer that would kind of run and stampede in a particular direction. Uh, and I think we see that in, in the world today in so many so many situations. Take a look at um, uh, the swine flu, for example. The swine flu killed how many people? A thousand people. The coronavirus killed what so far? Forty people. Of course, there's the unknown there. Uh, that my uh, the the swine the the swine flu. Are you or yeah, the, 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 the swine okay, flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so so the. Uh, uh, What's the difference? Because the swine flu didn't get near the attention. There were a thousand people dead before they declared it an emergency. Now we have 40 people dead. And I mean, every single death is tragic and we have to do everything we can to prevent, you know, death for goodness sake. But uh, what's the difference between those two situations? Why can it be a thousand people die before we declare a national emergency, whereas 40 people die, and half of them evidently were in a nursing home in Washington State. And we react so frantically. I mean, I walked into the grocery store the other day, and the shelves are bare uh, with respect to, uh, you know, Purell and all those different things. So what, what that speaks to is this mentality, kind of like this tendency to kind of go crazy to kind of freak out and i'm even um sticking my neck out here a little bit to even bring that up because it's going to get a reaction isn't it the reaction is going to be oh how can you say that you know we have this um coronavirus and are you saying we shouldn't react no i'm saying we should react we should deal with it but we have to take a look at, at our mentality because that kind of knee-jerk, hyper-reactivity um, of black and white, good and bad, you know, is, is the stuff that um, society is made of. It's almost sort of like a Hatfield and McCoy thing. Uh, you know, the Hatfields hated the McCoys, the McCoys hated the Hatfields. Were they really that different? But it creates a mentality of, of uh, adamance, uh, that really makes up our personal world. Our personal worlds tend to be made up of friends and enemies. You know, there's this whole other arena out there that's kind of an inert arena of, of people, which we aren't really involved with personally. 
for example, the checkout person at the grocery store. But, uh, uh, and so that, that's kind of a inert arena, but in our personal lives, anything that touches our lives personally, we kind of flip into this mode of good and bad. And, and there's no in between. There's no, um, reflection there. It's almost like there's a, an emotional or psychological instability in the very nature of what it means, uh, to be human. And, we can learn about how intense that is, but just by taking a look at deer, they hear one little uh, crack in the in a branch in the woods, and they go running. You know, uh, and there's also a certain level of uh, righteous indignation with respect to that, even being questioned, even being questioned isn't even the right word, even being looked at. Uh, right away, then there's that same knee-jerk reaction of "How can you say that?" and "Oh, you're terrible," you know, kind of a thing. But wisdom isn't really that black and white. It's not um, uh, so fanatical. In fact, I like to say that humility is the flip side of wisdom, because the reality is we don't know what's going to happen with this coronavirus. It could be gone in a week. Or it could be a huge outbreak. We don't know. Uh, and so we just have, we have to wait and see. You know, they talk about, oh, well, people need to remain calm. Well, that's true. But I think we need to take a, a, a look at the anatomy, if you will, of the lack of calmness before we can really get a handle on um, what it is we're really doing and why we're not calm and, uh, and, and how we can do with it. You know, there's there was a... Uh, poet's words, actually Bob Dylan, and, and they, they just started ringing in my ear. I couldn't even remember at first what song it was from. It's from my back pages. But he said, you know, something like good and bad, I define these terms quite clear, no doubt, somehow. Uh, but I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. Uh, and, and the whole, actually, that song is a great song. He's a great poet. And uh, you can go online and check, you know, Bob Dylan lyrics, my back pages. Uh, even the very first line says something like, crimson flames tied through my ears, rolling high and mighty traps. I mean, that says it in a nutshell right there. We have these, you know, of course, the flames between our ears are crimson, aren't they? That's the righteous indignation. We get it. You know, we're right and everybody else is wrong. Uh, and that, that's just a rolling high and mighty trap. Uh, it's just these words are just fabulous, you know. And that's because he, he just yeah. got he just got recognized as like the greatest, you know, American sci uh, songwriter. Or something no kidding. In the news. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, you know, talking about yeah. that, is, is it just that mechanic where you put enough stress on a person and they fold in a certain place? And this is where everybody goes because obviously it's pretty stressful, you know, because you don't see normally people acting like they're. The, you know, there's reports in the news of people like holding at knife point over over toilet paper, you know? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. 
why do we do that? You know, it's, it's just so ingrained in the actual physiology of how our minds work. Because, you know, I've, I've been lecturing about this stuff for years and even people have studied with me for, or listened to my lecture for 10, 20 years and they love it. They hear it and oh, that's great, you know. But then they just go out and keep doing the same thing, you know. Uh, and once, you made a really good point there, Scott, that once something gets triggered in a person's mind, that's it. They've labeled the whole dynamic. This is good, that's bad. And there's no dealing with it. There's no looking at it uh, past that. You know, a, a really um, somebody I really respect a lot uh, sent me an email commenting on my blog about uh, Trump in India. And it was more a warning, not necessarily that that's the way they were thinking, but they just understand how people are thinking. Uh, they said, don't say anything about anything that's good that has Trump's name in it because you're going to alienate half the population. Well, I was just, I, it had nothing to do with his politics, who he is as a human being, anything. But I think doesn't, there's some. Hmm? Doesn't that alienate the other half though too? That's yeah. What whatever, I, whatever you do, you know? Yeah. Whatever you do. So the idea that a, a president, I don't care who a president of the United States goes to India and creates such a fine bond and such a wonderful reception, you know, hands across the water, right? Uh, two different cultures loving and appreciating one another, independent of who the, the leader of that country is at that time. But even recognizing that and celebrating that and seeing the beauty, I mean, the, the looks in the people's faces of such friendship between nations, even bringing that up because Trump had something to do with it. Uh, is a no-no. It's a, just a bad move. That, that was the, the, the very point there. So we paint. See, we paint everything. We don't perceive. We paint. We project onto. And that's, and that's how we see it. And there's no getting past it, you know. Uh, and, you know, he, he was probably right. You know, saying anything about that can get me into trouble. But at the same time, come on, let's just mature as a group. One little thing, one, you know, we all make mistakes. From time to time, every single one of us make a mistake. And a person, though, the character of a person isn't determined by the biggest mistake they've ever made in their life, or even a small mistake. Some little conflict, some something you might say that triggers another person, and boom, you're painted. You're bad. And yeah. we just can't get past it. You know, there was a guy, this is an interesting story. There was a guy who uh, came to visit Mount Selma one time, and he, was, he said he had, used to live in a spiritual community in California. But he said it fell apart. And I said, really? I said, uh, why? What, what, what happened? Why did it fall apart? You know, he said, people fought. And I remember that was a moment for me that really stuck in my head. It was like people fought. Somebody's, and what's the dynamic of that? Somebody says one thing that triggers another person. And, and, and then in that other person's mind, it paints whoever said that bad and they can't let it go. They can't get past it. 
and it creates a whole black and white tension in the whole community or the whole culture. And then we get this wave phenomenon I was talking about before, like with the deers that, that they all heard and they all stampede in a certain direction. Because then what you've got is really based more on friendship than rationale, oftentimes. People align with one of those sides or the other, and you end up with a current of uh, hatred, really. Hatred uh, based in judgment, uh, uh, based in negativity, based in fear. Fear of conflict, fear of disharmony, fear of fill in your own blank there. What, what, what is it that you're afraid of in, in a conflict? Why? What's going on there, you know? And that, and that doesn't just happen in a community in California. That happens nationally. It happens internationally. Wars are fought over that kind of mentality, that kind of human instinct. We need to get past it. But now, getting past it, and this is an important point, we can't hear that and say, oh, I get it. That's a great point. Okay, I'm past it. No, because it's a, it's a function of the physiology of the mind. It's how we function. So now the question becomes, what do we do with it? Well, I think it is good to point it out. It's good to talk about it. Maybe it'll do some good. Maybe some people are mature enough, can we say, that when they hear that, it can help um, uh, them get past it. But the vast majority of people won't. They don't. So what do we do about that? In a sense, on one level, at least in the short-term level, we have to take a step back and say, you know what? That's how people function. So we start to accept it, but not completely blindly accept it. I mean, Mount Soma is founded really on the premise that we can move forward. We can evolve people. But it's not going to happen overnight, and it's not going to happen by one little lecture or what have you. So what that amounts to then is having a healthy relationship with the fact that at least now, and by now I mean what, the past thousand years? Just take a look at history. At least now, that's how people function. That's what we have to deal with. And that applies to coronavirus. Uh, and stances people take on that. And again, I want to clear, we're closing up Mount Soma. We're doing everything we can. We're taking it very seriously. But we also wonder why it didn't happen with the swine flu until a thousand people were dead. Well, now we get into this herding mentality. The deer's all herd and stampede in a certain direction. And if, if the media or whatever, if somehow that mass mentality, if you will, gets pointed in a certain direction, then that's what takes over. Whereas you can have another uh, crisis where way more people are dead, way more people died. And because the herd mentality isn't moving along in that bandwagon, so to speak. It just goes unnoticed, or it's not a big deal, or, oh, yeah, okay, a thousand people died. Maybe we should declare a national emergency, you know? Now, having said all that, and as horrible as this 
coronavirus is, without question, uh, maybe some some good will come out of it, you know, um, in, in, in the sense that maybe it is a wake-up call. Maybe it is a wake-up call to uh, uh, all, the Amer- all of America. You know, it's, isn't it ironic that now when people try to fly in on an airplane, we're testing them, turning them away, doing all this, whereas people untested, unchecked for the virus are just pouring across the border. But the mass mentality says, oh, you know, we um, uh, shouldn't have borders, you know, tear down the wall, no wall, all like that. Uh, So again, I think, you know, a wall isn't a solid wall. It's more of a filter, you know, just like we're filtering people when they come through customs. And I don't really see what's what's wrong with that as long as it's done wisely and diligently as we can as we can do it, you know, and that gets into the whole thing. I mean, there's it's not just the coronavirus we would be filtering. It also has to do with uh, drugs, uh, human trafficking. Uh, the list goes on and on, you know. Uh, and there's so many so many different things with respect to the mass mentality and what becomes socially acceptable. And it's also quite provincial. Uh, in one part of the country, you know, the homeless crisis is huge. And in one part of the country, um, the very expression illegal aliens is like, Oh, that you shouldn't call them. nobody's illegal. You know, another parts of the country, the mentality is very different, you know, and that applies not just to this country, but the world. Uh, we were talking the other day about Singapore, I think in what's in the news one, uh, in the news one, this is in the news two, you know, uh, but in the news one, we were talking about Singapore, absolutely intolerant of anything like that. And then the other extreme is, uh, tolerate homelessness, tolerate jumping over, uh, 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 barriers or, or uh, turnstiles at the uh, subways in Manhattan. So we need to really, we re- need to really at least understand the dynamic of what it is that we do, why we do it, how our mentality works, how we pick our friends, how we pick our enemies, how we decide who we think is good and who we think is bad. And we don't do that enough. We don't do that enough. We're more caught up in our own righteous indignation of, you know, anything that's contrary to our worldview. There's an expression uh, that says that truth exists in the gap between perspectives. You know, it's actually a very profound concept uh, from ancient Sanskrit texts, you know, the Vedas and that. But we need to learn to really live in the gap between identity with perspectives. Between the, we need to live in the gap between the extremes of polar opposites. You know, uh, there's there's a funny line in my back pages. He says, "Half racked prejudice leaped forth, ripped down all hate." I screamed. I mean, there's there's almost an irony there, you know. Mm -hmm. We don't suggest it humbly. We scream, rip down all hate, you know. Half-racked prejudices leaped forth. That's our world in a nutshell, you know. 
you know, self-ordained professor's tongue, too serious to fool, sprouted out that liberty is just equality in school. The, the, the whole irony of all this, it's really poignant, you know. In a soldier's stance, I aimed my hand at the mongrel dogs who teach. It's all about polarization and self-righteous indignation and how few of us are really willing to take a step back and take a look at how we function. I think that's probably about enough for today. It's a... It's a lot to think about. And that's what I'd really like to ask. Give me some space around this. I'm just throwing out concepts. I'm sure there's a line here, a line there that I didn't say quite right that could trigger, you know, that deer reaction and just boom, that's it. That's bad run. But let's see if we can really reflect on this a little bit and get past our uh, half-racked prejudices. (laughs) 